0: It was savage, it was absolutely savage.
3: Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 222, All the Twos, of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards. (laughs)
2: Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And give me, like, some in. Ah, for fuck's sake. Ah, whatever. Cool, sorry. I've gone scatterbrain a little bit there but don't worry because the guest we have on this episode will make you feel Why like are you you're still falling going? in love
3: <laughs> are you still are you done now are you i'm done? done now i'm done good this week's guest is murray mcleod from the amazing pop rock indie alt a uh, brilliant band the exits from up there in the scotland
2: yes and the exits are back they've been quite quiet for a while but they've returned with a fresh attitude aesthetic management label and appreciation for music from those scottish songwriting heartthrobs we've all come to know and love murray is an old friend of ours an old friend of the podcast And the excerpts are just a band we absolutely adore. They released their comeback single, Gimme, on Unify Records just a couple of weeks ago, launching a new introduction to the band. But on this conversation, I think we have not one, but two massive scoops, two exclusives to share with everyone. Because not only is this one of their first in-depth interviews, back since this new chapter but at the time of recording i'm pretty sure this is exclusive details on their next single they're releasing a track called ache on march 8 featuring his best friend mr sam carter of architects
3: i hope we don't get in trouble for saying that um apologies <laughs> if we do um, we talk to him about it during the podcast and no, there was no um resistance from anyone involved in the interview. So please blame Murray, um, not the um producers of Sapling Podcast, which is me and Morgan. So they, uh, yes, check out the one we've done prior to this. After listening to this one, obviously you're not mental. But yeah, we had a great, great chat with Murray about the new direction, production, fight star having two cooked chickens on tour, (laughs) influences to songs being shorter and longer. And yeah, we had a great, great chat. And it is always, always fantastic to see or hear from Murray.
2: Yes, he's someone we love very, very much. Hashtag blame Murray if uh, anything goes wrong. But Ake will be available March 8th. And when this episode comes out, is available to pre-save already on Spotify and Apple uh, so make sure to head over to the excerpts and Unify social media for the details on that. But throughout this conversation, we're going to get into all sorts from the direction and mindset they're currently at to some more new album secrets going through an identity crisis, some very early learning curves, how Mary originally started as a drummer, polarizing online comments, the weirdest gig they've gotten paid not to do, and I even uh, asked a question about one of my favorite songs of theirs called Aberdeen 1987, taken from the first record. And after we recorded this, I think that question played on his mind so much. Mur- I saw Murray tweeting about I it saw. Uh, online. So uh, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm making everyone making everyone think a little bit too hard, maybe, uh, with, with these questions. but. Before we go into the conversation, a reminder, as always, to give us a follow at Zappening pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to support us doing this please each do. and every week, please head please over to our Patreon do. page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Not only on. is that the best way to help, but you get included into a wonderful community of people to just hang out and then become your new best friends. So that's patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. But without any further ado, this is the wonderful Murray of the excerpts on episode two 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 of Sapnin Podcast.
3: 2 to 2 Sapnin! Sapnin! Ah, oh, I don't like Murray. I really like Murray.
1: Selling a little? Or a lot?
0: I Among to this it's happening.
3: You yeah, yeah, of course you are. Yeah. You've we been, been a Come on. Man. Jesus oh, Christ. God. Well, anyway, this week's guest was Marie from the Exit. <laughs> um they got a new album out. Uh that's it, really. Thank that's you. <laughs> yeah,
0: No. Marie, how are you? I'm good apart besides from the deep shame of letting you boys down. I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing good. No, it's fine. Yeah, there's no letting us down. You'd have, to, you'd have to work very
2: hard to let
3: us down. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, That's true. true. We'll let you off, though, because we have given you a massive headache for the last half an hour trying to connect everything audio-wise and and whatnot to do this remotely. So we apologize on that behalf. But how are you doing, man? It's been, it's been a while. We haven't seen you in, in a long time. A lot of exciting things coming out. How's things just going day to day at the moment?
0: Yeah, good. I f- I'm feeling really... Really excited, like feeling very positive about the future, which for the past you know two three years has been it's been pretty brutal out there, so uh it's nice to just feel like I don't know a sense of a sense of purpose and positivity in my life because it's been so up and down over the past a while as it has been for everybody, so yeah, I'm feeling really good, Gimme's out in the world and gonna do the the whole thing all over again get to do it again just lovely
3: yeah was there any moments where you were unsure what was coming next for you
0: yeah absolutely i mean i think like for us we thought that like we were gonna we thought we timed it so well (laughs) we were like you know basically had demoed Written and demoed the records right up until the point of the first lockdown. And we were like, boys, we've, we've nailed this. (laughs) We have (laughs) absolutely timed this to perfection. We'll, you know, we'll sit on the songs for three months and, you know, we'll, we'll put them under the microscope. We'll get them as great as possible. And then we'll be in the studio in like three months' time. We're good to go. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Didn't quite work out. And then, and then when you know things opened up again, it, it, it there was a whole new batch of problems for us with kind of like really mundane, businessy stuff. Uh, kind of had a deal on the table that got pulled, and then we were kind of in limbo for a while whilst making the album. So basically, for us, we we said to ourselves, right, we've we've waited all this time to make the record, so let's just record the record over the course of I think it was a year. It ended up taking us just because we wanted the freedom. We were like, we're not tied to any record deal. Uh, we've waited this long. Let's just take our time and have as much fun as possible. Uh, and then a year passed. <laughs> and yeah, um, got new management. And The new management company were like, "You, you guys need to get this done now. This has to end. This is just mania at this point. So we were like, cool. So, yeah, we just kind of, we just finished it. Honestly, we just finished it the, the, uh, last month, January. Wow. To wow. The Wire. So, yeah, we we were like, oh, we, you know, we've joined the pantheon of great rock artists who have taken it to The Wire, <laughs> you know? Like, and we finally did it.
3: <laughs> You're like a Scottish Guns and Roses with Chinese <laughs> democracy. That's right. <what> <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. Uh let's hope it's a little better than that record.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's the best <laughs> record, surely. I don't even know if I ever Do you know what? I don't even know if I ever listened to that record all the way through. Probably not. Really. Really, it was best really you don't fucking don't long. No it. way.
0: <laughs> I don't think
3: have many people? No, many? I don't even yeah. I doubt fucking Axel has. I doubt Axel has a <laughs>
0: policy. Yeah, so that's where we're at.
2: Nice. I I mean, I'm sure there's a whole different load of emotions at the moment going on because with the release of Gimme, I saw that you were already saying the band is reborn during this phase and there's kind of like a new style, there's new aesthetics, new label with Unify, all going on behind the scenes as well. Did it feel like a moment where you needed to reintroduce yourself or did all these things just kind of come natural? within that process, as you, as you mentioned, can you walk us through it a little bit?
0: Yeah. I mean, when we were making the record, I mean, you know, we're self-aware enough to know that the music was different than what we had done before. And in terms of just how we presented or how we're going to present this project, you know, we definitely discussed that we wanted it to be overly bright and kind of brash and and like the the record's pretty chaotic and kind of all over the shop, especially lyrically. It's kind of, uh, it's pretty messy, like lyrically, it's pretty messy. So we were like, let's do that. And took a lot of inspiration from like 90s Green Day mm-hmm. when it was just like, you know, a little less speed. On our, ha- on our part, but, like, that kind of just, like, I remember, like even now when you look at those Green Day, like, like aesthetics, they look so cool, like, in the 90s. I know they were really fucked up, but, like, <laughs> they just look great. So we were like, let's do that. So we took big inspiration from that, and um, it was definitely, like, a, there was purpose to it in the way that it looks, and the whole rollout of this album will look a very particular way. We just wanted it to be like, I know I've just said we took inspiration from another band, but we did very much want it to be one of one. We wanted it to just be, this could only be the excerpt. So yeah, that's how we felt about it. And we, we, we felt like we had a bit of an identity crisis after our last record, uh, in that we definitely thought we should present ourselves in a certain way, like look a certain way. And, when it came around to making this record, it was just like, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do, because that's who we are. So, yeah.
3: How did the sign into Unified um, come about? Because uh, just before you announced that you were signed to them, uh, they were doing that kind of like secretive, like, we've signed a band. Who do you think it is? <laughs> and I, I didn't know. I didn't know at the time that you'd <laughs> signed to them, but I'd sussed it out through the clues. And I How'd was you? like, yeah, and I was like, I can't post. If I post about it, people are going to go like, you've got the inside scoop, you prick. And I, I had no idea whatsoever. But then I saw it and I was like, that's a fucking exit. Can I tweet? Can I tweet? And I was like, if I tweet now, people are going to go like, you prick, I can't believe you did that. am super
0: selfish. But yeah how, did, um, yeah, how did that come about? You would have also been buried alive by the metal cook the metalcore community for saying, how dare you think that Unified would sign this fucking band? Uh. How dare you? And everybody, it was funny because I was, I was reading the comments and like so many people were trying to piece together because they saw the passport, but they just saw Ireland. So they were all trying to like, think of these, like, Irish metalcore bands, and it was like, oh, damn, you're gonna be so upset. <laughs> and lo and behold, they were. Who would have thought? Uh, Who would have thought?
3: They had Scotland's premier metalcore bands instead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if only they knew where I'd come from. I used to play drums in My Mind's Weapon. You have no idea. Hey. My credentials, my credentials, man. Um, So, funnily enough, it was. So our A&R guy, um, Leander, I've known him for years. He used to manage architects. He used to be in Hiding With Girls. Yes, yes. He used to sing in Hiding With Girls. And he also looked after Nick Deep and Lower Than Atlantis. And anyway, I hadn't spoken to Leander in a long time. And when we were kind of going through it with our previous label... I was out one night with Sam Carter from Arc. That was so weird saying his full name, but I didn't want something <laughs> to <dick.
3: laughs> Sam, Sam Philip Carter. Sam, I don't know what Samuel David, David
0: Carter and I were out having a drink. Um, so I was kind of just telling Sam what was going on and he was like, you need to speak to Leander. And I was like, why? We've got management. He was like, no, no, no. He does A&R for Unified. That's who we used to be signed with. And he was like, "I think he'll love it, even though that label isn't necessarily like I don't know. Wouldn't seem like a comfortable fit for us musically." So at that point, I was just like, "You know, fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to him. Just send him five songs. He might know somebody that he could put me in touch with, you know." So I sent him five songs, and he came back just like so passionate and overjoyed by what we had done and he from the off said i have to sign this and he's like, i have to get it through like i think there was maybe like four stages of people he had to get it through and honestly it was so quick it was over and done with in weeks really like of them like sending us the offer uh, so we were just, like, what? This is weird. Like, that's it. That is just done. Like, and especially with the label like unified, I know all about unified. And I think it's so, so cool that they wanted to branch out. They definitely wanted a UK band kind of don't necessarily fit into their, their usual mold. Cause they've got a band out in Australia called, um, slowly, slowly, Who had made a record with uh, Jonathan Gilmore, who works with the 1975 and stuff. So they'd started branching out over in Australia. And then I think they wanted to do the same here. And they were so excited about the album. And we were just like, this is awesome. Because they were legitimately like very, very like passionate in a really intricate way, which was really cool. Um, So yeah, it was super exciting. So that's how we came back. So, really, again, I have Samuel David Carter,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think. It's lovely when moments like that happen so organically, like a friend recommends someone and then things like that just happen. But especially when you said that in the process of writing the album, there was a deal that kind of fell through. I'm sure like it's weird how these things just work themselves out in a lot of ways because the industry is just full of that side of things.
0: It's who you know, baby. Take it till you make it and yeah like also like shout out sam because he he also got in touch with the label personally to say i love this record i love this band you need to sign it so yeah which was like he's my brother at this point but he didn't need to do that and he did and that's that's the Sam we all know and love. He's the, he's the he is the real deal. I'm going to ask. Yeah, I'm going to ask Sam to see what he can get me now.
3: See if he can get me. What do I fancy? Yeah, what do I fancy? If you can yeah. get
2: Spotify to give us the five billion deal for the podcast,
3: I'll I'll sell. Right. Sam knows somebody. A yeah, Sam knows that big Swedish fella from fucking Spotify. I know. Sam,
0: honestly, Sam probably at this point like has spoken with Joe Rogan or something. Something yeah. say you know. So yeah. There's something. maybe go look, maybe go Start small. Maybe start small. Yeah. What do you need? Right. Do you need yeah. anything for the house? You need an air fryer? What can I
3: <laughs> 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 imagine? Uh-huh. How- Sam, um, I'm smoking for a while. Um got something super important. Um, yeah, can you can you get hold of um a plug for the for my fridge? I got my fridges on a blink. <laughs> He'll do it. Sam. will do yeah, it. can get hold of anything. Yeah. Jesus. He's the most powerful man. The most powerful man in British music. Sam Carter. Fucking he is, hell. man. He is. I mean, Sam, I fancy front end queen. You saw that? Yes, I can, Sean. You've got to be able to make me sing first, or Sam. Oh, we'll yeah. figure it out somehow. Yeah, have got to figure it out. But, Mary, for, for the people who don't know,
2: like you and Sam go way back. I've even, like, went to the same college and all that mm. back in the day, like, can you just talk about maybe the, the friendship of, of how you guys fir- first met? And you've just obviously just been kind of best friends, stayed in touch and helped each other on your musical
0: journeys since then. Yes, yeah, so we met on the f- on the first day of college and this sounds like it's made up, but it's 100 percent true. So myself and Jordan were walking down the road to the front door of the, of the college and uh, there was a few guys outside just smoking. And as I was approaching the front door, I said to Jordan, I was like, that guy looks exactly like me. Like we are... Dr- <laughs> I was like, we're dressed the same. We have the same stupid haircut. Uh, like both in slip-on vans, Girl, skinny jeans and youth medium band shirt, classic. You know, classic looks, just slaying, just slaying from day one, (laughs) baby. And he, yeah, he had like the. I think we both had kind of the the underoathy hair at the time. You know, the the MySpace look. It was the generic MySpace look. And Jordan was like, "Whoa, that's that's weird." Basically, me and Sam. We, I reached Sam, and we both just kind of looked at one another. And usually, in that scenario, two musicians who look identical would be like, "Nah, yeah. nah, <laughs> fuck this, fuck one. this guy, <laughs> I mean, fuck who the fuck." Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, fuck. <laughs> we've we've played enough festivals to know that that feeling and that scenario. Like, you know, nah, fuck this guy, fuck him, fuck him. give a shit. It's like a shit
3: me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> one of us needs to go home and change, and it's not me.
3: That,
0: exactly <laughs> that, and we basically just both burst out laughing, complimented one another, hugged, and that was it. That was Aww. it. That was it. Um, wow, then, that could have gone
3: so different. Yeah, imagine <clears throat> the world so could different. be a different
0: place. And also. Not long after that, so we started hanging out a lot, and um, Sam was on the drum course, and I was on the songwriting course, so we'd always hang out after after college. And when our original drummer left, Sam said he would play drums for us, which is such a weird thought. Yeah. That, like, it. uh, it was never destined to happen. Sam was always destined to be the superstar that he is, but there was a conversation between myself and Jordan, like, maybe Sam would be great. But whatever, I think he, I think he ended up joining Architects super quick after that. And uh, we were already really close with Tom and he seemed to suit the style more than Sam. Sam was like a real, like incredible punk drummer, like, just double time. So we were like, ah, maybe stylistically it doesn't make sense, but it all works out for him. It mm. all worked out.
3: Well, worked out for you both. Well, worked out for you both, really. Because, yeah, like, imagine if he was in a band, think how different you maybe sound now. Like, you'd probably yeah. be tired from all the punk drumming, to be honest, <laughs> really, like, Slow down! I want to do a ballad!
0: I long for a ballad! Let's <laughs> do please, please. Let's slow this down. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I don't think we, uh, around that time we wouldn't have been able to tour together. One of us would have come home in a body bag for sure. Just <laughs> fucking stupid boys that like having fun. So yeah, no, it all worked out. But um, but yeah. So but that kind of like he's he's played such an instrumental part in our career and uh, like even when he joined architects and I, I met all those guys and then ended up singing on one of their records and then the unified connection, because architects used to be signed with unified and Leander, you know, used to manage architects. It's all, it's gone very full circle. Yeah. Um, it's
3: nice to see, um it's nice to see a band not hate the former label, to be honest. So the fact that Sam even suggested unified and stuff, is quite nice because how many bands leave a label and there's some sort of bitter taste in their mouth
0: is unbelievable, I guess. Oh my God, yeah, completely, completely. Well, he had nothing but brilliant things to say about them. Uh, It it, it just so happened that Epitaph got to a point where they could release worldwide in in Australia because they're so big now. That was the only reason. So yeah, Architects got signed to Epitaph worldwide. And that's why they left. that was it, so oh, he was wow. still so so kind of um glowing about the label that it was it was pretty much a no brainer at that point. I think we were having a couple of other conversations, but from the off, it was just like these are good people that get what we're doing and also in a way kind of don't which is uncomfortable in a really great way for us because the whole point of us making this record was the whole thing was uncomfortable it was you know whole thing was about not resting on laurels or kind of doing what we had done before you know every decision we made was a little bit kind of grinding in a really exciting way
2: yeah well i love these kind of back to the future if you step on a butterfly the world changes as we know at moments and it it seems like Mm. there's there's so much to that throughout your career but Speaking of those really early days, before you decided to really be a full-blown vocalist and a songwriter, am I right in saying that your mindset was stuck on drumming for a long time?
0: Mm, yeah, originally I was a drummer and yeah, I, th- I think I alluded to the fact that I played drums in a metalcore band called My Mind's Weapon. I'm not on any of the recordings, so anything you hear isn't me because I couldn't really play that kind of thing at all. I just, they shoved me behind a kit and I had to figure out how to play double kicks real quick. And then I got, I got turfed out of that band because I got, I got too stoned before a show. And uh, it, it was, everything uh, was
3: half time. Everything was, was halftime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, Bam. you know, and even set up my symbols, and you know, no, 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 I was, um, I was, tra- I was trash, and it was a complete car crash. And I actually thought it was a really sick show, and went down <laughs> in a- a- Aberdonian folklore yes. of how dreadful I was. Um, oh no! So yeah, that was that was that that was my time in the metalcore scene. Do you, um, yeah. Do you get flashbacks if you ever sit behind a
3: drum kit now? <laughs> oh <you're like>, fucking. <laughs> Shouldn't have had that (laughs) Jamaican (laughs) cigarette. I
0: was, I was also in a band. That band was, uh, there was maybe a six-piece, five-piece. I think they were a five-piece. So I just had like four, because I was really young at the time. uh, I just had four uh, adults staring at me, like with being stoned. Yeah, yeah. The the pressure of that. Yeah, with that look of. Paranoid
3: anyway.
0: (laughs) 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 I forgot to restart. I'm gonna go one, two, three, four, and see what comes out ready. One, two, three, four. (laughs) I think in my mind, I absolutely killed it. Of course it did. Hmm. Hmm. I was like, fucking dude, like let's all just chill out and just enjoy (laughs) the moment, man. Why are you so angry, man? Why are you so (laughs) Guys, let's do Jimi Hendrix cover now. Come on, let's just fucking... Let's just loosen up, man. Why are you so angry? Come on. You know, that. It was that. Uh, so, yeah, subsequently got turfed out of the band, which made complete sense musically and personally. But, yeah, the excerpts had started before then. But, yeah, originally I was a drummer, but... um. I I think I caught the front man bug pretty early on. Like played played drums for a few years and then in a, in a couple of bands and before I knew it I was I was you know asking for the mic to sing behind the drum kit. Phil Collins, you know, syndrome very early on. And so before I knew it I was like I I want to be out there jumping about shouting into a microphone so yeah and I also don't want to be carrying
3: all of these fucking drums up That's all the
0: stairs of the venues I gotta get to oh That's my true. god oh my god I, I feel so, I'm, I'm in an adoration of drummers who are still doing it I still see like students and stuff you know wheeling their drum kits in trolleys to a gig or to a rehearsal it's just like oh my god like I remember those days so vividly thankfully we had like Really supportive parents who would drive us, which is so good. They drive us everywhere around Scotland. But, yeah, seeing people just lugging gears, like, oh, I feel for you. But fair play, good, a good, uh I don't know, a good test in, like, determination self-will <laughs> like if yeah. you're gonna do it
2: it's 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 definitely uh, one you have to commit to, it's an instrument you have to commit to, there's no just half-assed oh, yeah. you know, no. you, some people just half ass buy a guitar and pick it up every now and again and stuff and you get it, cool, it's a hobby, but with drums you can't really just keep that shit around and not use it
3: you also can't be like, oh do you know what, I'm gonna take half my kit today, I can't be bothered <laughs> like you can't be no. like, oh, I'm gonna take one tom I'll take one Tom. I can't believe it. Exactly.
0: And like also with the drum kit, you know, like the amount of times when we were younger, you'd arrive at a venue and be like, oh, I forgot my guitar lead. I don't have a pick. I used to ask touring bands for picks all the time. And I have a little list of bands who became quite successful, who I know gave me a pick and who didn't. And some of those, some of those pricks careers have died a brutal (laughs) death. And it's because yes. they didn't give me a pick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so so who was the um, Who was the most? Uh, yeah, who was, was the most famous person know. to give you a plectrum? I have a
0: feeling, not famous, but in the world of the British alternative scene, this is pretty big. But the guitar player from Hell is for Heroes gave me a pick. Nice, nice that was nice. that was super tight. They were like the nicest dudes. Um, I could blast another band. I didn't ask them for a pick. They just treated us terribly. But I'm not going to because we are so young. come
2: on! God. God. Wait, are they still a band?
0: Like, they, if they're not a band anymore, then fuck I think them. they are still a band. Oh, fuck oh. it, I'm the sex. Oh, because I don't care. Uh, it's in me. Do you know in me? Oh Ooh, yes, <laughs> we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Dave Man. Can no. I borrow a plectrum? No, oh no. You know what? I didn't even I didn't even ask for anything that day. I wasn't even annoying. Uh, they were just not good people to young excerpts. and we were young. Oh. We were like sixteen. So yeah, could yeah. It have,
3: um, yeah. Could it have been a bad day, or
0: it could it, could it have just? Yeah, you know what? It's it's. And I think at that time, like knowing what I know now, that band were probably under so much pressure. And like having a bad day on tour, they were probably on a you know, twenty day tour in Aberdeen. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so it was. I, sh- I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Bad. I've know.
3: had. Mo- yeah. I've had moments with like uh, with people in bands as well where they've been fucking horrible. And now looking back, and I'm like, oh yeah, you were probably just you. Were, I know. I remember you had to lug all your gear up the stairs in Club Eva Bach. That's yeah. enough to upset anybody. Yeah, that's totally. so. Uh, totally. yeah, that's so totally. ridiculous to me.
0: That's fine. But yeah. I get it. And yeah, like there's probably so many bands out there who like probably have something pretty bad to say about us. You know, you just never know what day when it's like any given day on tour, you could be in the room just like, I just don't want to speak to anyone. Yeah. Uh, We're we'll
3: going the opposite, the opposite end of that. Do you remember the first time somebody in a band you loved showed you attention
0: or showed you some love? Yeah. I th- actually, you know what? A really big one. and This would be the last time when I saw you was at the busted show, right? Yeah. Yeah. When we were on to Yeah. I remember Charlie Simpson when fight star was a thing, him giving us like big props and Kerrang or something about our first record. I remember being like, Whoa, that's that's a famous person to me because when I was a kid, I I used to have a lot of time for Busted. Hmm. I used to love Busted. Me yes, and my same. sister used to watch their was it their Wembley DVD. We used to watch that all the time. I just I just liked them, and so when Charlie said that, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's Charlie Simpson!" And especially because he was like a household name, like my my mum and my sister and my cousin and my you know. Everybody was just lost it because Charlie Simpson said really nice things about our record. So, so that was a big moment. And then getting to tour with them was like, yeah, another nice full circle life moment. That was such a great tour. Yeah, yeah. And now he's the right now. Now he's the right now. he's the right now. Insane. <laughs> totally insane. But, but that that dude's voice is. Jordan describes it as fine oak. Ooh. Just. That's a good that's a good description to be fair.
3: I was going to say tough smoke. <laughs> yeah. It well, you know. It
0: rhymes. Exactly. it's it's all related to like fine scotch <laughs> cigars.
3: Lovely, lovely fella. What an absolutely lovely fella. Mm. I've he's, got a bad word a to say about him. He's always been lovely to us as well.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, he's he's just the best. Ba- he's such a mm-hmm. He's a real beautiful soul, Charlie. It's just like that guy is super. He, he like he he just is who he is. Like there's no like air of cool about him or like this false pretense or like he never has a guard up or acts like a rock star or anything like that. He's just good, solid dude.
3: Yeah, fight star took fight star took the blackout on one of our first one of our first tours. No way. Yeah, we turned up the first day and there was like... Because um, he hadn't long left busted, I think. Everybody around him was like fucking walking on eggshells. So it was like, Mr. Yeah. Simpson this, Mr. Simpson that, and fucking, you know, giving him the full arse lick or whatever. But then there was one time when he he came into our dressing room, us being the six fucking Welsh <laughs> boys who shouldn't be allowed out of fucking South Wales. We were like, Simpson, turn around and fuck off, you got your own dressing room. Because we treated him normally... I think because we treated him normally, he liked that, as as opposed to everybody else giving him Mr. Simpson this and Mr. We were like, you've got your own fucking dressing room away from your own band. What the fuck are you doing <laughs> in our dressing room? Get out. That's where we hit it off. And the fact that we treated him just like fucking anybody else, I think, was um, really out the relationship. But he's a fucking, he's an absolute sweetheart. I got
0: a load of time for Charlie. I think that's all anybody wants at that stage when they become that recognizable is just a bit normality we funnily enough when we toured with fight star our funny story from that tour was that they had two roast chickens delivered every day to their dressing room (laughs) every day (laughs) so most people most bands get uh pizza after a show that's what that's what generally happens but they would get chickens before their show and this was um, so. This same was time, great.
3: same time, or stagnant? Same time. So the chickens Two chickens, oh, okay. two
0: hot two chickens. chickens every day, and <laughs> we be two hot chickens. In- yeah. We'd be <laughs> we'd be in the dressing room every day, like with you know, crate of water, crate of warm beer, and a pot of hummus and a spoon, and every day we'd smell smell the hot oh, chicken, oh, the roast no. chicken, and so. I have to preface this with, this is pre-veganism, pre-plant-based diet. Um, and it was at times like we were, we were just like, you know what's it's like, it's you, as a support act when you, you get the bare bones of a writer, you're, you're f- starving and you got no money and you're, you know, you're eating anything you can get your hands on. So every day they would, they would go on stage and we'd sneak in. Every day oh. there was no chicken. Lick.
3: Just a lick. <laughs> One lick.
0: There uh? was nothing. There was, there was just bones. Nothing. Ah. Oh. Every day they would eat those chickens or hide them. <laughs> uh, they probably knew. <laughs> they probably knew. We were all like so, we looked so malnourished and unwell during that time. So they probably knew we wanted a bit of, a bit of protein. But, uh, yeah, that never, never caught the chicken. Oh.
3: Joe, I've never I've never heard of a band having two chickens delivered. <laughs> I saw Fred Durst I saw Fred Durst get upset because his pizza didn't turn up before before he went on once. Before. That was fun. Yeah. So um his it, tour manager at the time. So we were out on tour with them. Our dressing room one day was just like a back pole. Their day-to-day manager. He had set up like screens, you know, like the old 1950s screens, women would get changed behind the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, he had one of them with, I think it had the Beatles on it or whatever, but he had made himself a little office by the doorway. So you came in and you were just in this little screen thing. he yeah? had. And Fred came in and we were, be- so we're behind the screen further down, further in the room. And we hear Fred come in and he said, uh, I want my pizza before the show, man. I kicked this wall. And the whole thing fell down, and then we were just there staring, and he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh, and he just walked out, and I was like, yes, I've seen Fred Durst have a wobbly. I've waited this all to have a wobbly, wow. and he's finally had one. So he wanted the pizza before yeah. the show. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. What a mad fucker.
0: Yeah. Going on with a stodge luck, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like, um the uh, that, that's some sort of like the the carb equivalent of james brown demanding his fee before he goes on stage
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah yeah you yeah.
0: know yeah. like that to me is some of the coolest shit ever like nah nah i ain't going on stage until i get my money fuck yeah i want my pizza now pizza i want my fucking pizza now and if I don't load up
2: <laughs> Talk about a power move though. I mean, if you don't go on, I and mean, everyone's waiting for you. I mean that is that is the best chance to get your fee. So don't blame you. Why will him
3: biscuit late? Why willn't biscuit late? Nah, Fred wanted some cheese and bread.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's and then that's the level we're all aspiring to get to, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Re- we, e- yeah. Everyone. Every day. Like, that's Yeah, I've got got one more slice in me before I fucking walk out there. Give me a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if you want me to keep
3: on rolling, you better (laughs) fucking give me a pizza right
0: now. (laughs) You better Uh keep rolling that dough and get me my zai. It's
3: just one of those days, give me that pizza.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But... Going, going back a little bit, Murray, talking about the last album, Hold On To Your Heart, you, you mentioned earlier about having a real identity crisis post that, that cycle. And I think for fans looking in, that album was such a big moment for you guys because it kind of opened you up to a lot of different headline tours and supporting some huge, huge artists. You mentioned Busted uh, on all those ar- arena shows. What was it after that where... You were a bit lost. Was it just kind of not being able to pinpoint yourselves in a certain scene? Because I always feel like the exits is being someone who is kind of being a part of loads of different avenues in the, in the industry. But, you know, it's not just like one subgenre that, that fits you. You have that kind of indie mm-hmm. output, loads of emo fans love you. W- where was the mindset
0: yeah. So it was on the, um, we released an EP around the time of the busted tour called, uh, you meet, um, wild heart dreaming. Sorry. And it has the song, you mean everything on it. And I think it was kind of, it was like the perfect storm around that time for us to kind of panic because we got the busted tour. We we weren't too sure how that was going to go down with kind of our, our core fan base. And then we released the EP, which was just like, it was just an EP of B-sides. But around that time when we released them, I started to worry that they just sounded a little bit safe plain almost. So we went and did the Busted Tour and had such a fun time playing in those rooms because we'd never played arenas when you play, like, Hold on to your heart. Built for those rooms, mm. Mm. and so we. Each night we were like, "Oh my god, it's, it's coming to life!" This, this is, you know, this is what we dreamed of when we made this record, and we're here. Like, I thought we killed it on that tour. I thought we played great. We were really confident. The songs translated really well, and people got really into it. Made a lot of new fans, and then we went straight onto a headline tour to promote this new EP, and all of a sudden. We're back in like three to 600 cap rooms. And on stage, I was just like, wait, who, 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 who am I meant to be right now? Because we're back in kind of like punk rooms. And that's where we came from. But all of a sudden, we're like, I'm fucking donning white trousers and leather jacket and <laughs> shaking my hips and, uh, trying to do like a Jagger thing. And then all of a sudden I felt like really embarrassed to be doing that in a, in a smaller room. And so we got to the end of that tour and I just felt almost like really uncomfortable within myself and had to speak about it with Jordan and Tom. And it was a big conversation actually whilst we made the record about kind of our identity and whatnot. And the problem for us was that we almost, for the first time in our career, tried to fit into a mold, and it was really uncomfortable. so the whole point of kind of the conversations before and during and after making this album was for us to feel comfortable, we have to be uncomfortable. That's basically how it felt to us, and the the whole thing of never fitting into like one genre. Like, we've never, ever, ever cared for genre. It's like, when we were younger, like, Glassjaw meant as much to us as Fortet, as much as Prince meant to us as Blood Brothers or Elliot Smith. There are all these things, that like, we just love it all. And uh, the conversation before we made this record was, we are, we are an alternative band. That's what we are. So let's make an alternative record. And kind of, let's make a record where adult us meets younger us. And that was the point of the album. And it's funny now that genre is completely dead. Completely dead. Like, you know, there's still obviously like metal bands are metal bands, but now even with metal, there's so much going on with new metal bands and different influences are seeping into the genre and it's all moving forward. Uh, so for us, it was now we were like now we really don't give a fuck about genre. So you know we are gonna do a uh, a big kind of hyper pop inspired one minute forty blast of pop, and then we are gonna put a jazz song on the record, and we are gonna take our like nighttime British garage influence and do a song like that, and put that on the record, and then do the acoustic thing because we can and it's within us to do so it 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 took a while to sort of know what kind of record we wanted to make um but that's kind of where the kind of identity crisis is where it kind of was the launching pad for what we were gonna do next and it wasn't anyone's fault it was just our it was just ourselves really and and it's sometimes hard to take a step back from your own band and kind of observe your own group from a bird's eye point of view. It's really, really fucking hard to do that. And we haven't often done it, but we had to do it to realize, like, this isn't this isn't the Xers. This isn't how we want to be perceived. It was more to do with the EP, Not Hold On To Your Heart. It was more what kind of came after and how we were looking. And we could have easily gone down another route of, like, almost going even more kind of, like, Snow Patrolly almost. And the band are great and they're great songwriters, but it's just not within us to do that. It was like, no, let's be fucking proud about our individuality. So that was the point of this record. Yeah. Well, I, I think you described I think you described the vibe
3: of yeah, some of the songs on the album perfectly then. Like, yeah, we yeah. um I got sent it this morning. I've had um, to listen. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Well done. Oh thank you, dude. Um, like you mentioned those hyper pop moments and stuff and shorter songs. Was that um was that a conscious decision? The,
0: uh, yes. The, yeah, we fucking <laughs> row a record for TikTok. <laughs> and oh, unified no no no, no. <laughs> no no no, sorry. I'm I'm making a joke there about what oh, okay. people have said online. Uh, oh, because uh, I know dude, this is the first time we've released a song that has been polarizing and i fucking love it i love the conversation because throughout the whole time we made this new record steve ansell who plays drums in blood red shoes he he produced the record so for i kid you not for a year about three times a week he we'd be recording something he was like i they have to hate this they have to hate you, you have to be a hated band like he was like you t- it's too safe for you guys you've always had a like free pass from journalists and people cuz you're in this lane and you know very safe lane and people are really kind about your band he was like it's fucking time for people to hate you uh <laughs> yeah, was we like off. yeah yeah exactly we were was like yeah 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 we get it we get it and then when we dropped Gimme, it was like, whoa, oh shit, okay. <laughs> this is the internet in 2023. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Sean. I was making a joke about people were like, there was a huge oh, yeah. thread of people talking about um, this song being made for tiktok and it was like
3: yeah but that's surely that's only that only works if the songs are 15 to 30 seconds long <laughs> if there are any on the yeah, they still don't work t- for tiktok so.
0: t- t- trust me if we were that calculated it certainly wouldn't have been gimme fuck me <laughs> like, t- <laughs> like how many how many one minute 40 hyper pop songs are going like mad viral harry styles goes viral on tiktok uh the the closest thing in the alternative world I can think of rock-wise is like bring me a machine gun Kelly. Everything else, it's hard out there on TikTok. I'm just learning about it now. But yeah, so people like going in saying the label made them write this song for
3: TikTok. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like
0: yeah, in God, what Delive. world? In what world? And it's yeah. like I've I've got the, I've got the video of day one of us recording Gimme. And I, I found it the other day because we wanted to post it on TikTok, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, we started writing that song in July 2020. I didn't know what TikTok was. Yeah. Then I'd, TikTok became a thing, really, in what, like 2021? Mm, yeah. Like yeah. a real thing? Lock, lock,
2: well, yeah, lockdown really is when
0: exactly. people started really going on about it yeah so um yeah i was not educated tiktok it's just uh i'm still yeah no, i still refuse i'm too old <laughs> i'm not having it it's we don't have, we don't have a choice god damn it! i'm so jealous we don't have a choice you guys should though you should well <laughs>
3: should i we, not we, we did once we, yeah <laughs> i posted so i dj'd my chemical romance um milton Keane shows and Amazing. my they give me a hotel room in the stadium <laughs> which was overlooking the stage so wow. my first post from this from the Sapling TikTok was me going up to like my fucking bedroom window, opening a thing, and going "fucking shut up, Mike Kemp <laughs> and that went that that did to like two point two million views in a day.
0: No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I was yeah. like,
3: I am TikTok. <laughs> I am the king
0: of TikTok. Come to I me, am the fucking <laughs> algorithm. Embodied. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I am the Elon Musk of TikTok. And uh, no then, way. uh the next one had like six hundred views. Yep. And I was like, oh biggest fall off of all time.
2: <laughs> and then I'm trying <laughs> to just post stuff for us on the reg and then it's like, oh no one cares about nah, okay, fine, I'll just stick really to the Stick yeah. to Instagram. No one cares. Damn. Yeah, if it's
3: on my M the week my camera play in, we're not <laughs> yeah. getting any
0: fucking views. <laughs> Dude, it's that th- that's amazing that you th- your first swing though. <laughs> Oh, like, okay. I was like, oh, it's this easy. Swing. Oh, I'm going to be a millionaire in no time. <laughs> wrong. 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 No, it's, we, I mean, TikTok's funny because it's just like our our most viewed video and there's me skanking to less than Jake in the studio. That's where we're at. That's where we're fucking at. And I, that video went up and it's not had like crazy, crazy views, but like in comparison with other our other ones, like I said to... I said to our team, I was like, "Fuck me, I can't wait until we have like the nice professional videos of Gimme going up on TikTok." and And then they went up nothing because they don't like it. TikTok, the algorithm doesn't like it. They want raw footage. I was like, "God damn it, I can't be skanking my way through our career. <laughs> I, mean, I ain't, I ain't bringing it back."
3: That's the thing. You'd have people. You'd have people coming to your gigs going, "Oh, oh, you come and see that boy who skanks on TikTok tonight. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a band. Yeah, he have got a band. Yeah, the, the name of the TikTok is the band. Yeah, they has got songs and stuff. Their own songs as well. Oh, I don't like bands with their own songs.
2: Oh yeah, TikTok. Is he? Why is he not just going to skank to Scar Punk from the nineties? <laughs>
0: I, d- I tell you, it's, it's going that way. If the album <laughs> flops. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, you'll have to come back on for cause and start doing fucking <laughs> stock dances my, or whatever. My, uh, oh, no. my,
0: bizarrely, my ska knowledge is pretty good because back in the day when we were coming up, like Moon Ska Records was a huge thing. So we used oh, to support yes. all these fucking like Whitmore and mixed witch and King King oh, Prone. I put
3: some of these on. I put some of these on King <laughs> Prone. Yeah, Jesse James. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse James. Jesse yeah. James. Um, it's just the shoes you wear. Four foot fingers. Four foot fingers, fingers are open
0: for them. Um, wow. Who else was there? Um, oh my god. There, well, Cap Down were sick. They were fucking unreal. Um, adequate seven. Some, Do you adequate seven? seven? Yeah, Adequate seven. I'm oh like somewhere Howard's between Scar and Refused. Yeah, bizarre. Link 80 they were cool. Uh, yeah, crazy. But, um, I can't believe this conversation's gone down the scam route. <laughs> hey, I did welcome not. Welcome to Sabin, where everything
2: goes weird.
0: <laughs> um, what were we talking about before I started? TikTok. the length of songs. Yes, 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 sorry. Yeah, the length of songs. No, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a calculated move or anything. It was just, um, we've always been of the opinion. If I've said everything I've need needed to say within a certain time frame, then we don't need to, we di- don't need to extend a song. If I, it, you know, and, and the whole point of gimme was just meant to be like a, bla- like a little explosion of just fun, just a one minute 40 of like, what the f- what the fuck What's the you know just just a, a blast like honestly we just wanted to make our own version of Hollaback Girl it was like super Pharrell influenced and just wanted to do that but like really gnarly guitars and just repeat itself like really really basic song structure like almost like early Beatles structure wise like it's just three different parts repeated really um but that was the whole point it was like let's do as much as we can with as little as we have. And we also thought like all these sections individually are so cool. I just want to hear them again. So, um, yeah. And then there's like, I think there's a couple of other shorter ones on the record. Uh, again, didn't feel right to extend them. Even, even eight with Sam, it just, uh, there was questions about maybe repeating a chorus, like a, a double chorus, but just didn't feel right. And that's all you can go on in the studio is instinct. And it was easy enough for us to, like, you know, extend a chorus and hear it back. And it was just like, it's not right. It's more like, I'd rather people get to the end of a song and go again, 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 rather than, like, a six-minute opus it where they're exhausted by minute two. <laughs> and, you know, so, so yeah, it really wasn't calculated or that thought. I, it just the explosive moments had to be as fun and as short as possible for us. Cause it was like, we just want a burst of like bombast and then gone mm. and then on to the next one. So, well, I always feel it's a
2: testament when those comments are polarizing of people absolutely loving it and can't get enough of it. Or there's people angry that the fact that you've got a colorful jumper on instead of, uh, <laughs> of a leather
0: jacket. Or, the or jumper wherever. took heat. I couldn't believe the jumper yeah. took heat. I thought it was a guaranteed, like, <laughs> winner. I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah, this jumper is great. Nope. Got heat for the jumper. People jumper. Will pick up
2: on the littlest things, and it's, <sighs> and it's crazy. But Murray, as we uh, start to wind down on this conversation a little bit and talking about um, your songwriting, there's one track in particular I kind of wanted to get your take uh, from your back catalogue. And every now and again, when we get a guest on whose music I've experienced a lot in my life, I always like to mention, there always seems to be like one song that is more dedicated for your core fan base than anyone who's just kind of listened to singles and everything. And for The Exits, I always think that's Aberdeen 1987 because yeah. I feel that's become such a cult track for people who attend your gigs regularly, who always want it in the set list. If it's not in there, a big staple part of the show is missing. You just got to look at it for your festival appearances from places like 2000 Trees, for example. And it has become such a, a rich history track. Um, do you feel that's more of a song for those diehard fans of yours uh, than anything else?
0: It's an interesting one with that song because, yeah, you're right. Over time... I think I think maybe 2000 Trees Festival had a lot to do with that song kind of doing what it's done. I remember when we first played there, played in this tiny, tiny tent to like a hundred people crammed in. They used to have this, I think it was called like the leaf stage or something like that. Can't remember it. Anyway, it was a tiny tent and it was rammed and a hundred people were there just screaming that song. And we were like, whoa, this is this is weird, because at the time down in England, we were really struggling to pull people. We we're like, whoa, look at that. A hundred people there screaming that song. And then each year we went back, the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the sing-alongs to that song in particular got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I always find it really funny because I can't really listen to the recording of that song because I we recorded it in my friend's bedroom and I had a cold. And I, I think I sound so bad on that song (laughs) that I can't imagine anybody hearing it for the first time. at say somewhere like 2000 trees festival going back and listening to that recording, thinking this is fucking red hot. Like, like, I just think it's such a, I sound horrible on it. Like, and I actually, funnily enough, a couple of years ago, re-recorded it. Uh, and this was interesting because it was a much nicer recording, and it was a bit more, a bit more adult, I guess, and I added some different textures to it. And I sang it in a different way; it was a, a little more tender and hushed. And I, I listened back to it and was like, "Doesn't have that thing. Just doesn't have that whatever it was that we captured in that recording. It just doesn't have. It. It's lost the magic. So we'll probably never put it out, but." Yeah, it is it is a fascinating thing to watch that song grow and grow and grow, but it's not done like mad numbers on streaming. It's just live. So it does make me think that people maybe listen to it once and go, yeah, I got it. Got the lyrics. I got it. I'll just <laughs> sing along in the chat. That's enough for that. Um, but I think that song to me is like, a, just from my point of view, it's it's like a really beautiful snapshot of a moment in time. And it very much feels like... Uh, it feels like an a photograph. How you know? It feels like, yeah, almost like an audio photograph to me. It's it's very much like a specific moment in time, and I think it's it's a very true story. Like, there's three different stories in that song, and each verse is a different kind of tale that all ties together with the chorus. So I think yeah, each verse is like a specific snapshot that people can relate to. It's all about. Re- relatability right so i think it um yeah there was a a lot of nostalgia in it even when we wrote it It so weird like i can't i can't explain that but but yeah i'm just glad people appreciate that song because we still love it i still love playing it i'm really proud of that song just wish I hadn't had a call on the
2: day of <laughs> well, recording. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I bring it up because there's been so many times, like seeing you live or at trees or anything like that, and you just kind of take a moment to look at the crowds belting it. You know, it doesn't matter if they're drunk, sober, wherever. They, they've waited bits of the set to scream that back at you, and when you just mm. think, like, it's not a single. As you said, it, it hasn't done mad numbers on streaming service. There's no music yeah. video for it. It's like if you know you know kind of song
0: yeah it it really is and um i think it's 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 a beautiful thing for us because i wrote that song not long after i'd moved from aberdeen to brighton so the stories within that song are kind of set in two different cities and it was during a time where I was really kind of missing Aberdeen and really longing for Aberdeen. So maybe mm. that's why there's like a hint of nostalgia in there or, or se- certainly like a sense of longing. I remember writing it in my room and showing it to Jordan. And I actually was trying to rip off a get up kids track oh. called camp, Ca- campfire Kansas. <laughs> and it sounds nothing like that. So that's <laughs> always what happens. You try and, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, you try and rip off all the of Batgirl and you get gimme. It's that kind of thing. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's your own interpretation, but the influence from Ghetto Kids was there. Uh, and so I remember writing it in this tiny little room in our first lap that we moved to and showing it to Jordan. He was like, that feels really special to me. And I think cause obviously Jordan had moved from Aberdeen as well. And I think the two of us just thought it was like good song. Just you know, at its core, it was like this is an interesting song. The structure is pretty interesting, and the fact that we still play it now and it, it's getting like a bigger reaction than ever—it's—it's—it's it's, it's genuinely like overwhelming. It is overwhelming to me, and it, it does make me feel really emotional because it was written from such an innocent, pl- uh, like an innocent point of view and t- and time. It was like you know, at that time, wasn't thinking about anything other than just writing a pretty song about a few scenarios that had happened in two different cities. So, uh, yeah, don't take it for granted. And I I love the fact that at 2,000 Trees especially or anywhere, even the room's getting bigger on our headline shows, like the sing-alongs are getting louder and louder. I can't keep up. And we used to know which city was the loudest. Now I can't keep up.
3: <laughs> what a what a fucking, yeah, what a lovely problem to have. What a lovely problem to have. <laughs> oh, oh, can come, oh, I can't work oh. out which city loves this song <laughs> the most. They all love it so much. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Oh, Damn. I'm sick of it. Damn. I'm sick of London <laughs> singing back to me.
0: <laughs> uh, coming all the way out. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, that's the thing. I never, again, I never thought. And you'll know this, like when you start playing in a band, the thought of people come to see you in London was like, it's never gonna, it's never gonna happen. And then when they start coming, you're like, oh my god, I fucking
3: made it! I've, I've done it! I am London. Bow down, Sadiq Khan. (laughs) I'm the mayor now. I've just played Water (laughs) Rats. Water Rats. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude.
0: (laughs) We we had a we had a. This is such a weird story. I'll tell it real quick. We had a Uh, we had a showcase gig on it. Water was what? Yeah, Water Rats. You know, industry. It was like this is the big one, boys. You're gonna be fucking massive after this. It was like, all right, it's on. Here we go. Our ticket out of here. Um, and on the day of the show. So, did you know above the Water Rats, there's some sort of um? Let me get the wording of this right, or else I might get in trouble. Oh, Uh, not. A, a Freemason's. Oh, okay, yes. Okay, right. Not a cult. Not <laughs> a cult.
3: Don't come for me. Some old lads with funny handshakes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all yeah.
0: that. The old. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they had a Freemason's thing upstairs. I don't know what went on there. Murder. And. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, they're coming for all of us. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. Nothing, Allegedly. Oh, Allegedly. water rats, Allegedly. water rats, this Allegedly. has nothing to do
3: with us. Aim for the exits, it's fuck all to do with something, <laughs> I didn't bring it up.
0: <laughs> um, so, one of the one of the old boys died, and they were, yeah. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that, but well, I'm, seems I'm like laughing at this <laughs> scenario. Oh God. <laughs> again i'm gonna get cancelled for this one Um, it's all right yeah freemasons don't have souls it doesn't count (laughs) (laughs) one of the old boys from the freemasons died and they called our management on the day saying we're hosting um a ceremony in honor of him uh you can't play or can you keep it or actually no can you change your set time they wanted to push us back to later our management were like, no fucking way. This is the ticket. We're out of here. We got, it's half an hour. We got, we got to play it. We got to play. So these Freemasons fucking paid us off and gave us basically a residency at Water Rats for a month. What? So in a month, yeah, we played the Water Rats like six times in one month and also got a fee from these, from this group of gentlemen. Wow. To not, to not to not play. So yeah, everyone has their price. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we could have we been, we could have been fucking headlining arenas by now, you know, worldwide tour. No, 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 We got paid off. We are like, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 100 quid, done. <laughs> <That's> done. <laughs> cool. Yeah, 100 yeah. quid.
3: Oh, yeah. Kickstarter career or oh 100 quid? I'll have the 100 <laughs> quid now. I'll have the 100 quid now.
0: I'm skin. Uh, yeah, no. No, they paid us like, paid us a bit of like, bit of coin, silly wow. money, just to not play.
3: I'm uh, going to start booking random shows <laughs> at Water Rats now in hopes that one of the Freemasons dies and then they've got to pay me off for the show. Crazy, crazy it's a story. story. It's a business idea. Yeah? <laughs> Write that down. Write Water that down. Water at masons. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, before you go, I just wanted to say, um, uh, yeah, we got to set the video for, uh, eight earlier as well. And that was very, very fun. Um, yes. So yes, yeah, I think people will be, um, excited to see that. And, uh, yeah, the new record just seems fun. It seems like you had a good time recording it and um that d- definitely transcends in what i've heard so far so just want to say congratulations amazing for, I guess, it's um
0: it's wicked thank you so much no we love it and like we're, yeah i'm so immensely proud of it and just kind of just still being able to release music d- this far into our career like it's it's not lost to me that we started this band when we were 15 and We've just kind of put our heads down and worked and worked and worked and just hope the universe will kind of have our backs. And the fact that we're still here and able to release music is, and I get to chat to you boys, and you want to speak to me. It's like, yeah, it's not sorry about that. How yeah. that is. So, yes. Sorry about that. Yeah, so,
3: sorry about having to talk to us. Yeah, that, that is the downfall. Yeah. Press and twats. Press and twats. I and mean, I apologize. So, uh, I love it. But yeah, this is. I love speaking, we love to, you love speaking you boys. to you. Yeah, we love speaking yeah. to you. This is always fun. You're always welcome on
2: whenever you want. But before we we wrap this up, Murray, is there anything else you'd like to just let the people know, plug, mention? uh, Please, please do. So
0: I'm trying to think what's going to be out by this point. Uh, Well, we've mentioned Ake and Sam's on the record. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like there's going to be a lot of touring coming up. Like there's so many... Announcements coming up, basically. But yeah, we got a new record coming, and ache with Sam Carter's out March eighth. Yeah, see what people think of that. If you don't like it, it's Sam's fault. <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't like that one. That's definitely
2: on Sam. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's a, that's a good excuse as any. But Murray, always a pleasure seeing you. I'm so excited for everything to to come, and I'm sure we'll. uh to you again very, very soon.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. I love you both dearly. You're listening to Yes! Woo! Thanks! What the fuck was that?
3: Uh, you sounded like a firework being sick. <laughs> firework being sick? That's a new one. It's an, Yeah, it's the Blackout's new song title. There are no new Blackout songs. No, anyway, don't. what a great <laughs> chat again. With Murray from the Exits. I love seeing him and hearing him talk about his bromance with Sam. He lights up, as we mentioned, uh, in the snippet of the video I saw. It's a very, very fun video featuring Sam from Architects. Yeah, it's just contagious. The smiling and um, the fun they're having is contagious. So check that out. The song is called "Ache." It will be out March the 8th. As always, thank you to Murray for giving us the time. Yes, one of the favorite
2: people in music. He's so down to earth and you can tell he just likes hanging out with us and uh, having a laugh about everything, which I absolutely adore. Ake will be available March 8th, as you mentioned, but it's available for pre-save on Spotify and Apple uh, right now. So go and do it after you finish listening to this episode. More details on uh, the album that will be coming at some point during the year. That's all we can tell you so far, even though we've already heard it. (laughs) Ha 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 in your face, everyone listening. Over the exit, social media at the exit, and unifies as well. So just uh, follow them and keep up to date with everything going on. The band will be performing at Two Thousand Trees Festival this summer, so we're excited to see them there. And we might have a surprise to announce with the exit and awesome too. That's
3: all. Why I can are you say getting so fucking high? Cut down <laughs> a couple go- of octaves. Higher, higher. Too high, it is. Yeah, I that was way too
2: high. Yeah. yeah, I think that last bit was for dogs only. So, if your dog is listening to this podcast, um, I'm sorry that they now are in an outrage of excitement.
3: Yes. So, yeah, go and give us a follow at Happening Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, which we talked about earlier. Go run them numbers up, as the kids say. Yes, something magical might be happening between us all on one of those social media platforms at some point. I've said too much. I've said too
2: much. <sighs> tell you what you could tell us more about though Sean uh, What's is what you're going to be doing this weekend in Manchester and Nottingham.
3: Well, I'm DJing in Manchester Nottingham this weekend Friday uh, I'm DJing at Manchester Academy 3 supporting the Punk Rock Factory and then in Nottingham at Rock City the day after on Saturday um, I'm DJing at the Punk Rock Factory show and then after Afterwards, there's like a, a party at the uh, Rock City Beta, which I believe is the second room, where I'll be DJing there as well. So um, if you haven't got tickets to those gigs, sucks to be you. I believe they're sold out. But come along to the after show party anyway. Come and see me. It'd be nice, innit? I think. I don't know. You know, if you like me. I don't know. You, Do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> if you like me... Tweet at us at Pod. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> well, they don't even have to like you. They just have to like other people's songs that you would. Shut pick. up, man! I want to know <laughs> if people like me. <laughs> oh, so spoiling um, If you do like us, um, me included. no, 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 no! I'm
3: going first. Listen, I'm going <laughs> first. You could do next week's one if you like All me. Right. Say yes. Anyway. Carry on. We're going to see. I was trying to seamlessly link
2: us together and segue to our Patreon page at patreon.com before it starts happening. Because if people do are. like us, that's the best ah, way to to support us and keep this thing going and get involved, have a look at things behind the scenes, meet new best friends with the community, you know, all the fun stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignore that bit I said about saying yes. Just go to patreon.com, sign up, and sign up for a quid, at the very least. Whatever, whatever you can afford help the boys out man cheers thank you very much tidy I'm lost now and where to go if you head to the description of
2: this episode there's loads of ah, names there that nice. you'll see that we thank but as always Sean's going to give a massive shout out to the elite members of our Saturnin Podcast Patreon community those are the people on the top tiers
3: thank you very much Kylie Wheeler Mayumi Liwoe Janelle Caston Paul Irshfield, Scarlett Charlton, Tony Michael, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Ewing, Natasha Morris, Nathan Croshaw, Mitch Perry, Emma Barber, Sammy G, Kat Besson, Dana Lasnava, Jenny Robertson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Stuart McNaught, Stephen Aston, M Evans Roberts, Caroline Robertson, Kate Patak, Louis Cook, Martina McManus, Carp Enderbury, Danny Eaton, James McNaught, Jenny Munster, Kelly Cannon, Jason Redia, Emily Perry, John and Emma, congratulations they've recently got engaged. Thank you very much, Craig Harris, Khalila Keane, Ollie Amesbury, Adam Parslow, Josh Pool jokes aren't my favourite type of jokes, but they're definitely number two, Chris. Thank you very much, Alice Wood, Reese Bowling, Kate Stevenson, Kyle David Smith and Connor Lewins.
2: Woo! We love every single person in our Patreon community. Thank you for keep making this thing happen every week. And we appreciate anyone listening this far and just checking us out and supporting us. It means the absolute world. And of course, we'll be back next Friday and every week with some very special guests and some laughs to keep you entertained. Uh, I was going to try and make some jokes about Iron Brew, um, Haggis, and Groundskeeper Willie
3: from The Simpsons. I'm pro-Scotland. I'm pro-Scotland. Hi, this is the (laughs) voice of Sean Smith. I am pro-Scottish, despite what you might have just heard from Morgan Richards. Um, Pro-Scotch. Pro- oh, wow. They ate that as well. Anyway, thank you very much to everybody in our Patreon. This definitely wouldn't be possible without those guys. So thank you very much. Guys and girls and gender progressives. Uh, thank you very much. Fucking That better have recorded this time. <laughs> You're listening to Savlin'en Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, Thank you very much.